Recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with, with Coach, Coach Rene Dreyfus and, and Matt Peters. Peters. Ring the bell and let's get, get it on. Stipe knockout first round. No, you think so? I'm going on record. Want to make a bet? No. <laughs> <laughs> You always want to bet. You got to put the pedal to the metal. It's no. a good bet or not. Not a bet. <laughs> not on that. We can uh, find something else to bet on, maybe. Okay, let's bet on the result. Winner, winner, lose. You take Stipe. I take me, Cormier. I actually don't think Cormier is going to win, but. So you're just throwing me this one. Yeah, I'm throwing you. Yeah, you know. But I know because it makes it more interesting. Because I'll, I'll root for him a little bit if we if we have a bet going. Okay. All right. And then um, uh, what's the. what's the What other thing are you going to hurt me with? <laughs> <laughs> what 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 malice are you holding on to that you want to hurt me? Is there something in here you can choke me with? Oh, absolutely. Of course. Yeah. We should oh, do a whole oh, episode oh, yeah, on that. Yes, yes. A gi choke. I'll choke you with your shirt. We'll take it old school to it. The, the, the gi, old school Gracie Jiu-Jitsu and Judo with the gi. Is that where you like do a flourish and take my shirt off and then wrap it No, 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 no. I just choke you with your shirt right we're wearing right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. You do a lot of choking. Yes, I <laughs> Should I be worried about your wife? Is she okay? No, she. You know what? You know what? She chokes you. She actually hurt me. <laughs> she actually hurt me. We were sparring, and uh, and uh, I was like coasting her, and uh, and we were, and then she cranked a submission really hard. I'm like, I was like, if this wasn't my wife, I'd be screaming right now. Mm. But you know, uh, but she really wants to beat me, and you know, she listens to this podcast, mm. so she's thinking right now. I can't believe Renee <laughs> said that, but I, she just desperately wants to beat me. And then we're like sitting watching TV sometimes, and she'll like. You know, put a wrist lock on me or something. It's, <laughs> it's a very, very interesting marriage. The life of a martial arts. Yes, yes. Uh, but family. those who train together stay together. You know, it's 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 a it's a wonderful ride, and I'm I'm actually very blessed that my wife trains because we we share this this great passion now. Yeah. And uh, um, and it, and it's something that we can really connect with, and uh, and it and it both enriches it enriches both our lives. You know, yeah. and I'm I'm hoping to. Uh, to introduce our children to it, and and it's interesting that Henner Gracie, the grandson of Elio, he his son came up to him. His son's like maybe just turned two, and he says, "Dad, when can I do jujitsu?" Oh. You know, and he starts teaching him jujitsu, and then there's this video of him uh, uh, practicing on a, on a huge teddy bear. So he's doing like arm bars on a teddy bear, like oh, that's so that's adorable. It's so pretty cute, pretty cool. Those little cute kids in their like, geese and yeah, doing the hayas and stuff. Well, you know, you know what? Okay, so wait a minute. We gotta. What are the terms when you lose? Yeah, you're right, right, right. Okay, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you a monkey bite. <laughs> a monkey bite. What's a monkey bite? It's a little pinch. Oh yeah, sure. I'll take that. That's easy. Well, sure you like, don't up like the... four monkey bites. Sure. I don't know. I need time. I'll have something at the end of the show because you're going <laughs> to choke me and I'm going to pinch you. It's not the same. All right. What to, I don't know. Hold on. Monkey. Just what's a monkey bite? Just I do can't it. do it to you now. Why not? I just want to see what gonna, it is. Mm-hmm. What the hell is that crap? It's a monkey bite. <laughs> I don't feel anything. Well, you don't have any fat on you. I can't pinch you. You're in good shape. <laughs> Dude, Go you eat better, a cheeseburger you better and come up back. it from a monkey bite. <laughs> All right. Hey, Siri. What's better than a monkey bite? She's sleeping. Right. We Matt, were talking about you, it's people. It's your pa- terrible poor luck to be paired with me on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, the downloads are good, so I'll yeah. stay with it. Well, well thank. Oh, how are uh, our listeners? Millions, millions. Well, wonderful. Millions. You know, um, one on iTunes. my uh, friend uh, Sam Yang, his podcast is getting real, real popular too. Yeah. So, guys, you're listening, check it out. Must triumph. Amazing uh, philosophical podcast. Um, Mm-hmm. He did a he did he did a um, a segment on Bruce Lee, which I really think everybody should listen to. It was an amazing uh, thing, and I I would like to talk about Bruce Lee a little bit today too. But uh, but let's let's keep it going and, and talk about the the upcoming fight with Cormier and, and Stipe first. Yeah, I've been watching some of the videos that UFC is putting out, like the behind the scenes and the trainings and things like that. It's very interesting. Um, the whole fight, the whole card looks really good, but the Stipe and Cormier fight. Um, I just don't see – like Cormier, he, he said, if I win this belt, if I'm the, the light heavyweight champion and the heavyweight champion, I'll be – Oh, wait. The, they're fighting for light heavyweight? Oh, no, Cormier. Heavyweight, said, yeah. Yeah, no, but Stipe can't win the no. – no, no, right, right. So if he wins, he, get, he gets the heavyweight championship. And he said, if I win the heavyweight championship, I'm the greatest fighter ever. How does he – I don't understand. Well, yeah, and you know, it's it's again, it's fighter logic. Fighter logic is not always rational. Having two belts doesn't make you the greatest fighter ever, since one of them you just got by default, which I'll never get rid of. Right, right. You, yeah, no, I mean, uh, uh, he has never. In John Jones came in with that second fight. John Jones came in against Cormier, and you know, because his his weight training 
devoted him to powerlifting. He was slow and sluggish, mm-hmm. and he still, you know, won. And uh, yeah. and 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 so on John Jones' worst day. Not training, he still makes yeah. Cormier. Although I like Cormier, don't you know? I, I actually really respect him. I've been watching the Ultimate Fighter when he's yeah. coaching, and uh, he's he's a, he's a, I think he's a great coach. Yeah. Um, he's like I have nothing bad to say about him. Uh, I mean, they're technical flaws though that I that I see, and and you know that comes to something that I'm really interested in. And um, whether it's looking at Cormier, whether it's looking at Stipe, you look at these things, and it's very important that we see data. We, we see data. And there's some real interesting statistics. I just posted this. There, A guy did a study of 160-something street fights, street altercations, male versus male, male versus female versus female. So he stuck to gender equivalent mm-hmm. and, um, and also unarmed. And he noticed that within like three seconds, through, you know, four, to th- four seconds, something like that, 73 fights went to the ground. 73% uh, of the fights went to the ground. Mm -hmm. After the eight-second mark, it was like 97% went to the ground, which is actually not something I was expecting. Of course, I do jiu-jitsu, and I think the ground technique is important to learn. And the statistics are the flaw. These flaws in his statistics, if if you're a statistician, you should know that there's a thing called sample error. So if you sample only a small amount of uh, a, a small group, your your conclusions are, are suspect. If you go mm-hmm. two versus two thousand, obviously the two thousand sample pool is more relevant. And um, so there's only a small sample of, of things. And he sticks to unarmed. He also sticks to what are more known as ego fights, meaning that it, it at a lot of times these guys could have walked away. They weren't assaults like I come from behind you and you know stab you, you or stuck on my sneakers and we're gonna right fight. exactly you know things like that and and. Uh, and um, uh, it's interesting, though, for the females that went to clinch range almost immediately because the women, he noticed, almost every fight grab each other's yeah. hair. So, uh, it, you know, it's some interesting conclusions. But what I, I like is the idea of taking these statistics and looking objectively of what's happening. And, of course, each study will not be perfect. But as we accumulate these studies, you can see the differences and what you can see what happens. There's also another study that just came out this morning about um, submission percentage in um, – uh, I it was sport jiu-jitsu, which is a gi, gi, gi modality um, where they try to train to tap each other out. And then uh, submission percentage in, in no gi, particularly the EBI, Eddie Bravo's EBI rules with, without the combat jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. And the number one finish in EBI is heel hook right now. Um, and again, it's a small sample size. Number two is rear naked choke. The number one finish in uh, IBJF are collar chokes, mostly from the back. And not rear naked choke. I th- but still, rear naked choke was there. Um, so, but it's like interesting that like def- depending on the rules, obviously, the statistics of what's going on change. But but if you look at MMA statistics, you'll see that by far the number one submission from the beginning of MMA to today, it has never changed, is rear naked choke. So it tells you something about like, hmm, IBGF is work- going in a different direction and they're using that advantage of the collar to maximum effect, which means they're distancing themselves from what is much more effective in MMA. Mm-hmm. And uh, heel hooks, the same thing, you not have never been a major finish in MMA, but in this Ibnogi submission format, the, because of the nature of the rules, no punches, you know, it changes statistics. So again, you have to understand that these are d- diverging sports. The statistics show that they're, the sports are diverging. And, and, and so it's interesting to look at that. So rules change the nature of what you're going to do. And, and, and I always like to look at the statistics of MMA. And if you look at Daniel Cormier, you look at how he fights, you look at the statistics of how he wins, um, how he sets up his takedowns, you look at the statistics of Stipe, you look at how he wins, how he step, sets up takedowns, how he finishes. You know, on paper, statistically, Stipe is just quite quite much more dominant, um, uh, has, has more advantage. And Daniel Cormier has some some flaws that are exploitable. That doesn't mean he's a great, not a great fighter. He's great, sure. but um, there, I I can't see a way for Daniel Cormier to come out with this this win. And I also can't see a way for Daniel Cormier to beat John Jones unless John Jones comes up, you know, comes in with, you know, like a blindfold and an arm tied about his back, you know? And and that that's not to put down Daniel Cormier. It's just it's just, dude, you gotta work on these 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 statistics don't lie. Yeah. When you're throwing punches like this and you are not getting, you know, those, like you hit a guy right in the face and you're not getting knockdowns means you have some problem with your generation of power. And when you get hit back and you're like, oh, and you get 
cracked with the high kicks. And, you know, when you can't get a takedown, so he did some surveys. I remember someone, BJ Scout or someone did a survey of Daniel Cormier. When he can't get takedowns, he, he struggles. So if he has trouble striking, he takes you down. If he has trouble striking and can't take you down, Wow. Well, where are you going to do? And, yeah. you know, his majority of his finishes are, are, are set up from top crucifix and side control, which is a great position. But he doesn't have this a massive, diverse set of skills. And MMA is working towards that direction where you need to be more of a generalist, more of a renaissance man. Mm-hmm. And you definitely have to have some core skills, but you need to have a broader uh, set. And Daniel Cormier has been, because of his athleticism, because of his amazing wrestling, he's been able to stick to certain things that really work for him. But uh, I don't see him picking Stipe up and throwing him like he did. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, Stipe is a really good wrestler yeah. and a better boxer with more generation of power. So objectively looking, uh, I, I, I give Stipe the advantage. Then again, a fight's a fight. You never know what could happen. You never know what the weight cut could be. Well, I mean, I don't know how much – I don't know if Stipe actually cuts weight for heavyweight. But, but you never know what the pre-fight camp was like or – you know, whatever. There's so many variables, so many factors. Mm-hmm. Um, in my personal journey, I remember thinking, oh, it's going to go like this and this and this. And, you know, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Mm-hmm. Mike Tyson. What's he's like, okay, that went out the window. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what I thought this was going to be. Yeah. You know, so, um, but I like to look at the data and have a very objective view. And I just don't see Cormier winning. But I think, it, I don't think it'll stay in the first round. I think it'll go to a decision. Where, because uh, Cormier is tough, you know, decision and uh, um, where Stipe will have dominated most of the rounds with uh, striking after he, and, and predominantly, I think it'll go against if, if a lot of, there'll be a lot of cage work, not predominantly, but there'll be a lot of cage work. Mm-hmm. Stipe will extricate himself from the cage and then score with boxing. And, um, but um, I don't think Daniel Cormier will have such an easy time taking him down or keeping him down. Yeah. And, uh, and Cormier's striking, while effective, is not... He has a knockout. I mean, he's not really knockout no, power. No, no. It, it, uh, it does not because he has technical flaws. He doesn't generate power properly. And he doesn't move properly. So, and Stipe does. So you're dealing with a guy who... Wrestling is... Maybe Cormier has a little bit of an edge, but MMA wrestling is different from regular wrestling. And um, uh, Stipe is no wrestling slouch. And you're dealing with a guy who has, has better... Uh, has better um, boxing. Mm-hmm. And then I don't think Cormier can hold Stipe on the ground and submit him. No. I just don't think that. He's going to run out of energy real quick Yeah, if he tries to do that. Yeah. And Cormier, at the end of the day, Cormier is not, should not be fighting at heavyweight. Just not. He shouldn't. I don't think he should. He's just, know, he yeah. is a heavyweight, though. <laughs> when he goes to Popeye's Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but did you see the Ultimate Fighter when they were playing hockey? Did you no. see that? Okay, so let me tell you what happened. Yeah. This is this is actually interesting because Cormier, a- athletically, really um, he intrigues me, and you know I want to root for him. So so I hope Daniel Cormier is listening. He's like, okay, Renee, he fucking <laughs> hates you know. Like uh, I, I don't want him to take that way because I'm actually a big fan of his, and uh, especially his wrestling, and and also his attitude and his his mean, his carriage, uh, the way he he comports himself as a champion is 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 just a great guy and a coach as well, but. Um, what, in, what impressed me was there with this ultimate fighter, which I generally don't watch anything other than the fights. I fast forward to the coaching. I watch the coaching and then I watch the fight. But they had this, you know, this coach's challenge thing. And Daniel Cormier has never been on ice skates really in his life. And they made a hockey game. And Stipe was a, is a hockey guy. Like sure. he's not – I don't think he's a great hockey guy, but he's, he's played hockey and stuff like that, right? I don't know. Is hockey big in Ohio? Yeah. Well, anywhere yeah, there's snow. Lots yeah, of yeah, snow. Yeah, yeah. It, seems, it seems like – Yeah, Erie, of, yeah right, right. And yeah. – um, so they had a hockey face-off, and so they have to score one. They get ten shots, and you have to score the person who scores more goals. Mm-hmm. And Daniel Cormier cannot even stand on his ice skates, and he, he can't even stand. So he's he's shooting the puck, and he'll fall over, and he has to be held pulled back up because he can't actually even skate. <laughs> sure. And and it's it's so interesting because as I was watching, you can see how good an athlete he is, how his brain is like. Computing, 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 and he's as he's going, he's better and better. And you know who won that challenge? Oh my God, Daniel Cormier beat Stipe in the challenge. And 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 he 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 was he got a couple shots in, and then they switched, and he was the goalie. And he can't even stand, but as he's doing, he's blocking shots, blocking shots, blocking shots, and uh, come come back mm-hmm. win. And and Stipe was like, "This is freaking crazy!" But it just shows that, that how you put him in an athletic context, and his body can adapt. 
Um, and it was amazing. It was mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. A high-level athlete. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to the question is why can't he adapt in striking? And he just has problems with his movement. His, his, he's reached his adaptation uh, ability to adapt. Um, or he needs to work on someone to really sit him down, say, take a year off of fighting and just rebuild you. But that's a little bit hard uh, to do when you're the, when the champion. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, he should do that. And, and uh, Damian Maya should take like two years off and, and really focus on how to move better. And people make fun of Conor McGregor. And I am not a Conor McGregor fan. But Conor McGregor does something that Hicks and Gracie always did, was hired a movement coach. And I think that's really important. And with my team, I'm doing the same thing. It's like, okay, we, we have techniques, but first we have to have these movements. We have to coach how to move, how to move your body efficiently. And uh, Conor McGregor had that, that uh, I forgot, Ido Portal was his name. And he's a little bit of a crunchy granola, you know, yoga hippie <laughs> guy. And he's interesting, but yeah. he knows his stuff. And he has him doing all these weird moves. But there's no question that Conor McGregor has a very, very, very efficient, very efficient way of using his body. And, and I, I think it's amazing. And he knows that. So he's always on the cutting edge of developing that. And Hicks and Gracie was the same thing. There's a thing called Gymnastica Naturale, which Hicks and Gracie and a lot of the Gracie family did, which is a movement system created by Professor uh, uh, Alvaro Romano to make jiu-jitsu guys move better. And, and more efficiently. And they integrate yoga, some animal movement, kind of like mimicking animals and gymnastics. And, um, and uh, you know, I think it's very important to, to, to move with efficiency, move with grace, move with balance, like, like we talked about in, in one of our podcasts. And, uh, was that the podcast we made fun of Damian Maya for like an hour and a half? Uh, it was the one we talked about the Olympics. I oh, think okay. It, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what we mean. I, I like Damian Maya. I just, mm-hmm. you know, I'd like I got a call, like I see it, and it gets me in trouble. I think I he told declined you. to come on our show. I, I reached out. Oh, you did? Oh, he, <laughs> <laughs> he declined. <laughs> he's doing a seminar recently in New York soon. He, oh, is he? Yeah, he's actually mm. in New York. All right, right, I'll hound him some more. Yeah, no, I don't think he'll. I'm gonna hound him. Don't worry. I'd be mean, like, I have to face him, and he's gonna just be like, "You say, <laughs> you say I'm terrible." And I'm like, "Uh oh, I'm not dead terrible. Now. You just need work." Yeah, and and you know, you know, I was talking to a student today, and and I'm very brutally honest, because I think the mats are truth, and anybody listening who's my student understands I'm exactly that way. It's like if it's good, hey, great job. Mm-hmm. If it's bad, that sucks. Fix it. And and it's hard to eat that bitter pill of like that sucks, mm-hmm. but it's not meant to hurt you. It's just meant to you know get your fire, light your fire, and say, hey, damn, I got to work on this. Yeah. This is bad. You know, I have to really, really, really try harder, and. Um, and, uh, you know, Damon Wire has to, has to change something up. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, this is what I was talking about is uh, um, statistics versus, you know, our hopes and dreams. Now, I, in my heart, I hope Daniel Cormier wins. In my heart, every in time. In your I, heart? And I hope, I hope Daniel wow, Cormier, that's yeah, deep. Yeah. You know, like, I, I, love, I always root for the, no, I don't always root for the grappler. I, I, but I, I like Daniel Cormier. He, he impressed me. I like Stipe, too. But hmm. the same thing with every time Damien Maia steps on the mat, I am 100% rooting for Damian Maia. I love the guy, wow. but I, at the same time, I have to put away that de, that fanboy, delusional, you know, I want to pull the wool over my eyes thing, and then I have to put on my hat as, okay, statistician, mm-hmm. you know, a, objective martial scientist, and say, well, this is not going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we look at icons in our sport, like um, every every martial art has their founder. Like, the the the, 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 the Poster child is, is the founder of Aikido, who like his a lot of Aikido practitioners believe legitimately that in his day when he was in Manchuria, some soldiers or bandits or something shot at him, a gun at him, and he dodged those bullets. I mean, I'm not talking about like hit on a rock. I'm talking about like he chased them, he went right towards them, and like you know, like you know, Dragon Ball Z type stuff. Is that know, not like, possible? You know, or, or Matrix, he's just dodging <laughs> bullets. Like woo, woo, I can see the bullets. You know, yeah. and and our hero worship, our hagiography which is, you know, elevating people to the level of, of, of spirit, you know, this thing. It's something that we as people, as humans, want to do. We mm-hmm. want to elevate the founder to this, especially in Asian culture. It's something uniquely in Asian because the, the elders have these, um, these, this cachet. You know, if it's tied to these ancient, you know, great elders, it, it gives it more cachet, you know, more, more, more respect. So 
it's not just me. It's my I have this lineage of this great fighter back in antiquity who took on you know seven hundred ninjas with bare hands and a blindfold, and that's why our style works. And he was like, oh, really? <laughs> you know, and we but we love this. And you know, I would love to have, like if that you know the the inner inner ten year old in me would love if like all this were true. I would love if Bruce Lee were the Bruce Lee we all want him to be, or. You know, Wang Fei Hung, uh, which is, uh, you know, um, a very famous um, Chinese martial artist. He's probably the um, the uh, character, the the main character of over a hundred Chinese martial art films. The hero, you know, like he's like the 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 hero of ancient China, middle middle seventeenth, eighteenth century China, right? And he's this mythical guy. And I guarantee that the reality of Wang Feihan, he picked his nose, he went to the bathroom just like the rest of us, you know, that isn't this legendary godlike creature that mm-hmm. we, we want him to be. And the same thing in our modern life, you know, like you can even look at like um, old UFC, like you go back to like people, they like talk about Chuck Liddell, like, oh my God, you know, it's not like the old days. Chuck Liddell was the man. Nobody's like him anymore. Really? Have you watched Chuck Liddell's fights? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you've elevated this mythical status. And um, and your your enthusiasm, your love of uh, your devotion to that that idea, and it becomes part of you too because you, you know as a, as a fan of this guy, you 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 immerse your identity in, into him and mm-hmm. his exploits, and so telling you that no 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 he wasn't really that good. No, what are you talking about? You know that's fake news. Do you have a <laughs> do you have a, a a legend or an idol that you've elevated? You know, you know, I, in my youth, for sure, yeah. absolutely. Um, you know, I was I started my martial art journey in karate, and so um, uh, there's um, some famous old school karate guys like the founder of Shotokan Karate, Funakoshi Gichin, um, who, as you research, you find out that he actually wasn't really a good fighter, hmm. and yet there are all these stories like you know he would look you in the eye and this and that, and no, and you, actually when people you talk to people who who were around him, you're like, nah, you know, actually he kind of sucked. He was just a good teacher. He himself was a great student of uh, uh, um, Okinawans, Itosu, and, and um, some other students, um, Uncle, Uncle Itosu, I think his name was. And um, those guys were taught him, and he was one of many students. And he was a great educator, but he was a terrible fighter. <laughs> like mm. He just wasn't that good. And um, it's like a bitter pill to say, like, yeah, the founder of Versailles sucked. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't diminish his ability to, to transmit the knowledge and educate. You know, um, Customato uh, created so many great champions, but himself was not a great champion in the ring. Uh, he was a famous boxing champion, Mike Tyson's champ, coach, mm-hmm. among others. And uh, so you don't have to be a great fighter or have this massive, you know, hero aura, you know, um, to to teach great fighters. Um but then again, you know, if you absolutely completely suck, maybe you're not that good either. I don't know. <laughs> What's a, what is, why are we obsessed with legends and heroes? Because like, our lives are boring. Yeah. No, because we want we want the 1984 Mets. What is that? At 84 when the Mets just you know came baseball, back in baseball, right? No yeah, idea. I don't know. The 86 Mets, something like that, right? You know, we want the 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 the, the, the movie dreams. We want that. We want to believe. And Bruce Lee is a great example. And Bruce Lee is his death is the anniversary of his uh, death is coming up. July 20th. And there's no question. And I am a fan of Bruce Lee in many ways, right? In that he as a thinker, as a person who strove to. Um, to achieve, and most importantly, as a fighter, a fight a person who fought against racism, um, he's he's a, he's an absolutely inspirational character. That being said, his students of his students and his fans um, have uh, ex- exaggerated his martial exploits, and um, and if you look at videos of him training, you're like. Well, that's okay, but it's not anything really special hmm. for even for the time. Not saying compared to today, but compared to that time, to compare to his peers, you know, eh, he, was, he was good, but he wasn't what we equate him to be like the deadliest man on the planet. And there's a there's an interesting book that um, came out, and it's called Showdown at Oakland. And um, so it's kind of an interesting book, and it's definitely uh, the writer is very biased because. The writer is a student of Wang Jack Man, who I don't know if you, the listeners know, but one of the most seminal moments in Bruce Lee's career was a challenge fight against Wang Jack Man. Mm-hmm. Wang Jack Man was a, a traditional Chinese martial artist, and they had a fight. And according to 
the 1990s Bruce Lee movie and also many other sources, this fight was supposed to happen because Bruce Lee was teaching foreigners. That is not the case. That is actually proven demonstrably to be false. Now, did Bruce Lee teach foreigners? Yeah, I mean teach white people, you know, non-Asians, I should say, right? Yes, absolutely. Were there people in the community, Asian community, not happy about this? That's possible. But um, and, and definitely he, he was very, very open in, in teaching martial arts um, and expanding martial arts. And one of his dreams was to fill California with martial arts schools. And that was a dream that Bruce Lee had stated early on in his career. And so that's great. Um, but this fight was not motivated by you know the Chinese elders like in that the the was it um, the the, dra- the dragon no not Enter the Dragon you know the one with the the nineties one, one the biopic with Bruce Lee it's um not Enter the Dragon uh, it's um okay. uh, Birth of the Dragon no Birth of the Dragon is the one that just came out um, it's uh, uh, what is it did the nineties biopic with um, that they they recreate Bruce Lee's wife. It was actually a great movie. It's, I know, remember, yeah, 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 really good movie. And uh, just some of the things are are more dramatized. Uh, um, but but basically, the movie it's it's really said that oh he, uh, you know he was he was championing uh, teaching uh, non non Asians martial arts, and that, that is demonstrably false. In this book, it's Showdown in Oakland. It's a, it's a really interesting book. Um, uh, it's written by. Um, hold on a second. It is written by. Um, I'm looking at this author's name. Uh, Shoot, I can't find it. Uh, Anyway, um, you guys should look at it. It's it's on Amazon, and it's called, uh, yeah, Showdown Oakland, The Bruce Lee Fight. And I'll tell you the guy's name right now. I'm scrolling through my phone. Sorry, listeners. (laughs) What? Uh, Rick, Rick L. Wing. And Rick Wing is a student of Wang Jetman's. And so – but what he does is he's, he's a uh, Californian and San Francisco native. And this, this fight happened because Bruce Lee basically said that you know, traditional kung fu sucks. And my more modern – my take or my take at the time, his take at the time was m- superior. And he was doing a demonstration. And the book goes into absolute detail, historical and factual detail. So, so this is what I like. You know, we were talking about statistics before and that's, that's – those are demonstrably, you know, we can have this evidence, and um, and he he talks to in many many people, interviews. Oh uh, yeah, uh, oh Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, right, right. That's the old name of the movie. Great, awesome. And the movie that just came out, there's a came, movie just about this showdown between Wong Jack Bang and Bruce mm-hmm. Lee. It's called. Uh, uh, I believe it's called Birth of the Dragon. And by all accounts, it's a terrible movie. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> this is an absolutely terrible movie. But but it, it's made in Asia and definitely um, it's this clash of two masters and it's very dramatic. And I have not seen it, but I'm actually going to go see it. You know, I should have I should have seen it before I came here, but I, I couldn't I couldn't um, find is it, it. Like in theaters or on TV? Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's past theaters. I think it was in theaters for like a week in New York, but it was more more sold in Asia. And um, Wow. Yeah, yeah. It came 26% out. 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's really bad, right? <laughs> my friend my friend saw it. He's like, yeah, I saw it because I kind of felt like as a martial artist I had to, but, you know, it was gritting my teeth and trying not to hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but they sell it as this dramatic um, thing, and then it's this turning point in Bruce Lee's life. And, yes, for sure it, it was a turning point in his life, but for different reasons than I suspect. And Belinda Wee Caldwell, she's Bruce Lee's um, – uh, wife, she said the fight was three minutes, and Bruce Lee kicked the snot out of him. And Bruce Lee talks about himself, and his quote was, um, "Yeah, I chased this kung fu cat around, and I punched him in the back of the head for a while, and then I got tired, and you know that was that." And that's his thing. And he wasn't really very proud of his performance. And in Showdown in Oakland, uh, I don't want to spoil it for the readers. But um, the guy has a lot of interviews with people other than Linda Lee Caldwell, and he basically puts her. Um, perspective into doubt because she was like kind of pregnant at the time and she kind of he says she probably walked out early in the fight kind of thinking it was over when it wasn't not really calling her a liar but just saying there was more of the fight than she actually saw mm-hmm. and the fight according to other people went quite long and um, and both participants got completely exhausted and this this according to what everybody says was Bruce Lee's transformative moment where he created you know, a different way of approaching martial arts. And you can see it in his movies. A lot of times his footwork is more boxing-oriented or savat. He introduced more Western arts. And he's all about um, multiculturalism and combining and being MMA. And this is right, rightly why he was kind of like our spiritual father of MMA in, in, uh, in America. Now, there were people doing MMA before Bruce Lee. The most famous is Gene LaBelle. So who had an MMA match, the first televised MMA match in, in, in America. So Bruce Lee is not the guy who created MMA in America. But he's on the same plane as a lot of other thinkers who 
all over the world were experimenting and breaking down barriers. So mm-hmm. was Bruce Lee a pioneer in this thinking about MMA? Absolutely. No question. He is a pioneer. Was he the only pioneer or the godfather of MMA and MMA, you know, whatever? No, he is not. You know, you got to give Elliot Gracie credit. You got to give all the, the guys, the guys doing shoots, which were real fights in pro wrestling and mixing styles all over the world in Russia, uh, the Sambo Church Combat Something. Like everybody was kind of thinking like let's break down barriers and combine styles. Um, and that has been going on since the 70s. And many people kind of created their own eclectic martial arts. But it wasn't really until the Gracies created these huge Valley Tudor spectacles that it came you know, in, into America, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, there's no question in my mind that the – the father of MMA is Horian Gracie in America because he created the UFC, right? That, that, that's, that's just there, there. We said it. But spiritual fathers, spiritual founders, Bruce Lee's one of them. So is many other. And he went on after this fight to reorganize the way he trained. So a lot of people saying, you know, oh, you know, why did he do that? And he said himself in that short bite where he was like, yeah, we got tired and this and it didn't work. In the book – Rick Wing is very critical of that interpretation, saying, well, hmm, if you won the fight, why would you have to change anything? So basically he's saying Bruce Lee got his ass whooped. <laughs> you, know, you know, I don't want to spoil the ending. You should read it. But he's basically like, you know, that's kind of the – and you're like, oh, well, he's biased. He's the son of uh, – the student of the, the guy who fought and all this. Uh, and in the movie, this dramatic de- depiction that's coming out, it becomes this sort of like – I didn't see it, but it's sort of like a, a tie. But they both learn and they both grow. <laughs> and they both go, you know. A flowery and, Yeah, and Bruce I mean. Lee's kind of a jerk. And after this fight, he, by, by training, fighting this guy who's much more like an honorable martial artist, he becomes more honorable and blah, 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 blah. You know, whatever. Um, I can't speak to any of those more spiritual elements. But I can talk to you that, the, you know, Bruce Lee's approach is radically different. You know, pre the fight, you know, he – he was already experimenting with things, but he he was sticking to kung fu, more kung fu traditions, and um, that he learned in, in China. And um, after the fight, you see him mix grappling. He was a student of Jean Lebel's. You see him mixing boxing, and he was. Everybody says um, Bruce Lee had a enormous, enormous collection of boxing fights on video. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fights that he would watch and study all the time. His favorite fighter, Sugar Ray Robinson. And if you look at his footwork and a lot of dudes like kind of mm-hmm. Ali, Sugar Ray Robinson, you know, um, he's integrating that. And he also studied Savat. He studied all these different arts to take, according to what Jeet Kune Do is, the best of each and meld them together, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, be comp, comp, you know, be, be uh, efficient in all ranges of combat. But what really happened? Hmm. Well, there's this guy, Rick Wing, who says he got the snot kicked out of him. What I think happened is, you know, exactly what Bruce Lee said. It didn't work the way it was supposed to work. He was deluded. He was deluded by the, oh, in ancient China, we had this grandmaster, this guy who fought, you know, 700, you know, this, 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 and, you know, it works like this and this and this. And then when he really did it, he's like, Damn, that was different what they told me. Mm. And we all create legends. And Bruce Lee was a victim of this legend creation. He was, his, his teacher said, well, this is the way it works. Because how do I know? Well, my teacher told me. Well, how do you know? How does he know? His teacher told him. And when there's this telephone game of like, yeah, there's this great guy in antiquity who created these amazing things. Mm-hmm. And we all believe it. And we create this legend. And we train around this legend. But there's no proof. Yeah. And Bruce Lee's like, holy shit. That yeah. didn't work the way it was supposed to work. And then, ironically, now Bruce Lee is this legend because mm. we always, as humans, do this. We create these legends. And I'll tell you, you know, the art he created, Jeet Kune Do, um, was supposed to be more a personal thing. But it became – just in the 80s, Jeet Kune Do was this disgusting mess. And I'm going to offend all the Jeet Kune Do's. But they were trained like 18 different martial arts at the same time and, and they just were not effective. And it took a lot of guys to rework it and say, OK, we're going to base our stuff around Muay Thai. When jiu-jitsu came, it was jiu-jitsu and uh, savat and boxing and a little bit of stand-up wrestling or catch wrestling is what they use there. And then that's kind of what we work around. And we'll discard Dumag. We'll discard this. We'll discard that. And if we're fighting, we'll do Kali. But, um, you know, there were lots of Jeet Kune Do guys. Burton Richardson is a very famous one where he was a um, 
then this is I have tremendous respect. Before I say this, let me say I have tremendous, tremendous respect for Burton Richardson and what he did. This was amazing. So he's a certified, very high level instructor in Jeet Kune Do in the eighties, all over Black Belt magazine, all over this and this. And then, you know, the MMA movement takes over. And he basically understands that he doesn't know how to fucking fight. And you know what he does? Mm. He does the right thing. He says to everybody, I just realized that my skills are not where they need to be. I'm retiring from teaching. I'm going to be a student. I'm going to re- re-channel into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Muay Thai, and really understand how to approach fighting better so I can be the best teacher I can for you. And he meant he came out and said it. It was amazing. This guy, the real, true martial arts, tremendous cover. And now he is awesome. I mean, his jiu-jitsu is fantastic. His striking is fantastic. But he came out and basically said, guys, what I taught you before, man, that was not the way. This wow. is the, yeah, and that like hard because he was also like, hey, we're supposed to work like this, 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 this. Bruce Lee, we we Bruce Lee said we should do this and this, and then they created this legend around Bruce Lee, his death, and they couldn't do what they said they thought they could do, mm-hmm. even though they were trying to get away from. You know, you see the irony it's here, so right? Weird. It's yeah. so weird, but the, we as humans always do that, yeah. and 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 every martial art. But this is why MMA and a lot of traditional martial artist guys hate MMA. Now, first they hate MMA. Because you have the Conor McGregor's and they're not pleasant and all that. And, you know, he has Diaz brothers who flashed, you know, the FU sign at people when they're choking him. And it's not, not good. I agree with that. But the other thing is MMA bursts their reality. They burst their bubble. They have to come back to reality. And they don't want to. They don't want to. They want to live in their, like, my dim mock works. Or that, that's, you know, like that reality. Or they want to live in, like, you know, Funakoshi was the man and karate. All you need is karate. And you know how I know that? Because I was there. Because if you met me in 1982, I'm like, karate number one. You know, like I was a karate man. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I was. And, and I, I, I still had a critical mind, but I had to be brought into using my critical mind in martial arts by someone, a friend of mine, who picked me up and slammed me on my head. And went like, nah, your karate ain't going to work against my wrestling. Yeah. My junior high school wrestling is going to kill your karate. And I had, to, I had to eat that reality. And every time traditional martial artists look at MMA, it's just saying, you're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. That doesn't work. This is what works. And, you know, um, that, doesn't say, that doesn't mean to say that traditional martial arts don't, you know, don't work. There are certain things that do work. Like the oblique kick is from Wing Chun kick. But, but the approach is... We, we, you know, a lot of them are, are flawed fundamentally, and and our, and, and our hagiography, our our hero worship of our ancestors, because they created something amazing, um, supposedly, you know, trumps actual training and hitting the bag and, and putting your work in. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say that the mat is truth, like I was saying before. And what that is is I'm here to dispel your delusions about yourself and about your martial art, and then we can grow. Because when we leave those delusions aside, then we really grow. And I'm really trying to do what Bruce Lee did, you know, like because I think he was trying to do that too. You know, it just after his death, the art took a weird turn. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I have tremendous respect for Dan Asanto who took up the torch. But at the same time, Dan Asanto's goals were not to create great fighters. He was more kind of like a martial art historian. And he trains different martial arts and he's on his own path. And he definitely is a great fighter. But um, there are a lot of people from his lineage who – up until MMA, the MMA revolution, were not great fighters. And what did, what did most Jeet Kune Do guys do? They adopted the MMA paradigm. So if you actually go to almost every Jeet Kune Do school, it's basically MMA plus a couple more things. Because they're like, hmm, this is kind of what works. <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't work over there. Okay, right. well, we're going to leave that Wing Chun trapping behind because, uh, mm, yeah, this is better. Wrestling trapping is <laughs> so better. So it's an MMA, MMA school with a picture of Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? My school has a picture of Bruce Lee too. You know, yeah. like, uh, you know, I, I mean, you, you, cannot, you cannot diminish his contribution to martial arts. He's tremendous, but at the same time, like he got caught up in this hero worship after his death. You know, he only, you know, Bruce Lee only became famous in America after his death. People didn't know. You know, Enter the Dragon came out after he died. Mm-hmm. So there's like people didn't know Bruce Lee while he was alive. Really, I mean, maybe some fans of Cato and the Green Hornet, but not not <laughs> not like he is. You know, known. You know, sure. and um, and and going back to that fight, you know, I think the the turning point was for him is like, hey, this didn't work the way it was supposed to work. And I had that moment, and so many other people, martial arts have that moment. 
this didn't work the way it was supposed to. You told me, meaning the master, it was supposed to go like this, yeah. but it didn't. How many people had that moment and then think, oh, I did it wrong? Yes. Wow, Matt, that is a great – and they, they turn – you know, I had a friend, and he's like, I'm, I just suck. Yeah. No, that's not, that's not it. Now, it could be that you know, if you're not training hard enough. Mm-hmm. But if you're training really, really hard, there's a great podcast. Um, a guy named uh, Stephen Kesting runs a podcast, the Strenuous Life podcast. And I recommend everybody check it out. And he talks about his martial journey of being in kung fu and, and how kind of the wool was pulled over his eyes for a while. Um, this kung fu instructor was not just you know, uh, in the kung fu world but legitimately was not – didn't seem to be so interested in teaching, just more about taking money. So this is not to rag on just the kung fu world. This particular teacher was also like, you know, mm-hmm. a, what we call McDojo, I mean taking oh, money and, mm-hmm. you know, not, not giving a good service. But at the same time, you know, the critically, he was like, mm, this, is, this is not work. How does this work? How does this work? How does this work? And, and it didn't work for him. So, of course, he wound up abandoning that kung fu path and going to another martial art. And finally, he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. And... Um, and he's, you know, from, I've never rolled with him, but from all accounts, he's a fantastic practitioner and also a wonderful ambassador to the sport and great, great podcast. It's the Strenuous Life podcast. And uh, he talks about his journey, many, many episodes of how he was, you know, the wool was pulled over his eye and he had this moment like, huh, that didn't work the way it was supposed to. And I said in another podcast recently, like, you know, we get on our MMA high horse, but like ah, MMA is awesome. But, you know, MMA is just the paradigm of training. And if you're not training hard or you're not looking at the, the evolution of the sport, like, you know, we talked about certain fighters who just don't evolve, like, you know, Damian Maya, then, hey, your shot isn't working the way it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. So we have to apply that reality-based, you know, let's get our head out of the sand. Let's not, you know, hero worship, oh, Damian Maya, I love you because you won the world championships and you represent jiu-jitsu. And this is not to knock Damian Maya. I, <laughs> I think he's a great guy. You know, like, look, guys, I'm a huge Damian Maya fan. But at the same time, there's problems with his hips don't come in on a shot, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I got in trouble because there was someone who's listening to the podcast who we criticized and I happened to know him and he was not happy about that. <laughs> and, you know, but dude, this, you know, you, you lost, <laughs> you know, like, like what am I supposed to say? You looked amazing, you know, like, I mean, you know, it, it's data and we have to eat it. And, you know, I was teaching a technique a couple days ago and I said, stop, okay. Everybody forget what you just saw. That that was shit. That sucked. Okay, I got to do this again. You know, because I'm not perfect. Sure. But I had to stop the class and tell everybody, see, I just did it wrong. Hey, I'm not perfect. I suck. I sometimes have these moments of terribleness. Mm-hmm. And I was, was just drilling, you know. And, and I, and, but I have to eat that reality and, say, and let the students know that, hey, you know, well, I'm on this journey too. But it's extreme accountability in, in Jocko Wilnick's parlance, meaning you are accountable to the truth, not to what you want the truth to be. Mm-hmm. Like our political climate very often is. We want the truth to be something else. Mm-hmm. We want it to be this. But what you want and what is is not the same. And when you, when you search for what is, you grow more and you, 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 you evolve and, you, and, you, and you, you take the hard road. And hagiography, you know, uh, uh, elevation of people to this godlike, saint-like status. Oh, you know, Wang Feihang defeated 100 opponents in a row, you know, blindfolded. Guys, come on. What, even if that were true, what does that have to do with you today? Nothing. What, how, many, how, many, how much bag work did you do today? But also, that's not true. That is demonstrably false. <laughs> there's no like there's not that is not possible to take a hundred, you know, opponents on at the same time blindfolded. You know, or whatever. I don't know, you know. Little like, kittens or something. Yeah, but know. but also like even if it were true, there's no evidence, so who cares? Like, you know, let's live in the world of evidence. Mm-hmm. And and when you live in the world of evidence and not hero worship, um you grow. And and I'll say, you know, like we said just before, like one of the one reasons why we worship heroes is because we give up on ourselves. Because like I like LeBron James because I'll never be a great basketball player. Well, you just – that's kind of a crappy life there, buddy. You don't have to be LeBron James, but you could, you could go out there and be amazing at something else. All the guys I know who I respect, you know who, who, they, who, who they're de- dedicated to? Their own personal growth. They're heroes. I mean they, mm. they, they're – be your own fan. You know? Don't, don't be like, oh, I love GSP. Now, of course, everybody loves GSP. He's great. But you're like – then, then do what GSP does. You know, you, you be, a, you, you be, in, be inspired. Don't be a, a slavering fanboy. Be inspired to do your own, own, you know, own thing. 
Yeah. And and we when we're this slavering, you know, this fanboy kind of thing, we 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 live vicariously off of their their triumphs, but that's not that's not our triumph. And I think that's that's a weakness in us. And mm-hmm. and you know, we have to search for what is, not we, what we want to be what is, you know? Yeah. And uh what what we want to be true. And um when we do that, you really grow. And, and, and it's, the irony of the Bruce Lee story is that he was searching and then his image, his iconic persona became a point of hero worship. And we are on this hero journey, but be your own hero. So that's, uh, that's kind of like, you know, it's very ironic. But I also say read the book uh, Showdown in Oakland because it's kind of like an interesting take on like trash talking. Not trash talking, but, you know, like it's like, a, it's like, oh, and he really goes deep and interviews a lot of people. So there might be some truth to what he says. Um, and uh, it's, it's well written, too. It's well written, too. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, give the movie a shot. Who knows? <laughs> and, you know, that, that being said, um, I, I am a huge Bruce Lee fan for what he did of martial arts and what he did to – to introduce a positive aspect of Asian culture into uh, the world. And, and that's a great thing. Um, you know, uh, for, for our image of China in the 60s, 50, 40s, 50s, sick man of Asia, and, you know, um, a lot of Asian men feel that their image has been emasculated through racism and, and imperialism. And, and he's like, hey, uh, this, is, this is something, a positive role model for, for not just Asian but everybody. And we can... We can, we can uh, uh, follow this culture and you know his his influence has been tremendous from just not just the martial world but the, the hip-hop world the doors bruce lee the the pop culture world you know he he's he's someone who who reached across barriers and and it's not to say that he wasn't an a legend in in in, in as an ambassador of martial arts and asian culture and and in and, and multicultural because Bruce Lee is actually you know part part Caucasian too. He, mm-hmm. He's uh, he's not fully Chinese. He's I think um, one one quarter one quarter Caucasian. So he's multicultural himself. So his whole search was building bridges and and things like that. And so that's a wonderful thing. But the other side is, he was about this good. Don't make him this good. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm opening my hands for those people <laughs> who can't see my hands. They're listening to us. Don't open. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was was his family cursed? <laughs> do you believe in curses? Do you believe in witchcraft and Hogwarts? I don't believe in Hogwarts, but yeah, I do believe in curses and, uh, and, and that kind of thing. Like magic and stuff? Not magic, but like there's there's powers and shit out there that I don't know about. There's a lot of things you don't know about. Um, you know, um, but that <laughs> doesn't mean... Back, he's holding back <laughs> laughing and mocking so bad. Yes. But I don't believe in ghosts, but like the spiritual, the spiritual world. Yeah. Well, no, okay. Our spiritual world... Um, is is something I think internal and there's, there's spirituality. But do I believe in in malevolent forces that influence our daily life or our? I, no, I I don't. No. And again, I'm a data oriented scientist. Like that is you but know what about uh, Brandon. Brandon, what about Brandon? Oh yeah, well he was not as there was a ghost careful. bullet. A ghost bullet. And actually, do you know you know they found out why Bruce Lee died? It's interesting because there's this mystery about you, Bruce Lee. Do you know yeah. Bruce Lee? So everybody's like, "Oh, he died mysteriously." Do you know actually? They, they, they another person just came out with the Bruce Lee book, and they found out the cause of Bruce Lee's death is most likely heat stroke, not mm. the triads killing him or targeting him because of this and that or blah blah blah. No, he because people don't realize that Bruce Lee had an operation on his armpits to. Uh, remove a lot of sweat glands because they were getting in the way of him filming when he had like you know um, sure. uh, the, the, the you know the sweat sweat on the yeah. shirts. So he he removed a lot of sweat glands in his armpits. So obviously sweat you know is one way we you know don't overheat. The day he died was one of like the hottest you know uh, weeks in Hong Kong you know uh, time, and he wasn't he overheated and died. And so the, the, the this is a book that came out and said ah, most likely it's the Occam's razor. What is Occam's razor? The the most simple reason for something happening is probably the real reason. Like, so let's not make ghosts. A, yeah, <laughs> it was ghosts. Then. Ghosts. Yes. That's simple. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm going to choke you. So God hard. came down yeah. from the heavens and put no, a ghost no, no, in no. Bruce you know what it was? It was when he fought Mong Jack Man. He didn't realize that he was democked. Oh shit! And it just took 20 <laughs> years to. <laughs> That's the longest death yeah. touch ever. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> the next generation of Lees. Yeah, and it, and it transferred generation, right? You yeah. know, the next one is going to die. Yeah, no, don't say that. That would, that's terrible. You know, um, we can't. What, but you know, he's got a he's got another. Uh, doesn't he have another child or something? A daughter? Bruce Lee. Yeah, no, 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 no. Linda, Linda. No, uh, is it? No, I think it's Dan Santos' daughter is Diana, Diana Lee and Asanto. That isn't that. Uh, oh no, no, no. His daughter's still yeah, yeah, daughter. yeah, his daughter Diana Lee. Right. That's yeah. Yeah. Um, so why isn't she cursed? I don't know. Anyway, it's I don't only, even know. I'm talking. It about only this. affects <laughs> the males. It's that Y chromosome. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is next. <laughs> That's Denmark. Is he still alive? I, I don't know. Uh, Brian Ortega, Max Holloway. Oh my God! I can't wait for that fight. We have a couple minutes. Uh, Max Holloway. Ortega. Really? Should we bet on that one then? Yes, absolutely. Oh God! I'm not shaking anything. <laughs> You make me nervous. <laughs> I want to shake, shake it. All right. All right. I, um, I think, I, you know what? Again, that's aspirational because I would love I'd love to see. I mean, I like both fighters, but I would love to see Brian Ortega win. He's he's, he's a person who, who really inspires me. Too. Yeah, I think he's a great person. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's obviously a great fighter, but I yeah. think that Max Holloway just has the experience. Mm, yeah, you're right. I, I, I would uh, I, I took the bet, but I, I, I would, I'm soft on that one too. Is there anybody else good on the next card? There's some really good ones, yeah. Um, pull up real quick. Oh my God, Matt! <laughs> There's ghosts in here right now, probably. <laughs> the They're coming to get us. <laughs> my cheese being being uh, uh, upset here. Nagano versus Derek Lewis. Oh, Nagano's gonna probably yeah, take that one, yeah. Uh, Anthony Pettis versus Mikey Michael Michael Chiesa. 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 Apologies. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's he was. Um, wasn't Mike Chiesa also injured in the Conor McGregor incident? I think he was one of those guys. Sure. Too. Yeah. Um, yeah. He Mike Mike Chiesa is a good fighter. That's an interesting fight. Uriah Hall, New York bound, New York uh, native. I messaged him a bunch of times to come on the show. Uriah Hall. I hope you win. Whenever I hear the name Uriah, I think um, Faber. No, no, I no. think of the Dickens novel, um, Uriah Heep. You know the he evil. went really high level with it. The Dickens novel. <laughs> no, you know Uriah Heep. The, 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 no, the, I didn't uh, read Dickens. I dropped out of high school. What the Dickens? <laughs> was I don't know. I don't oh, oh, do you like my shirt? Hold on, hold on. Do you like my shirt? To air is human. To R is pirate. See, I I thought you'd get kicked. I do that. like it. Thank you. Um, uh, yes. Shout out to uh, your fighter G. Yeah, got G. his belt. He got his belt. Um, it was, I saw uh, the video. It was a very video. quick video. Yes, it was. People ask me what round was it, and I'm like, "Oh, this is the first round." Yeah. They're like, "Wait, that was fast." Um, and this is this is again data. Let me tell you what we did. We looked at the opponent objectively and saw uh, a glaring weakness. Now that doesn't mean he's not a good fighter or anything like that. But we saw a, a glaring weakness mm-hmm. in the stance and the movement, and we took advantage of it. And that was that. And and it doesn't mean he's a bad fighter. It's just uh, we. Search the data. It was actually the same strategy we used for because uh, we were supposed to fight a different fighter. It was a, a little bit late change, but um, but the same strategy worked for both because they both had the same flaw, which is actually common in in a lot of uh, mixed martial arts. The, the specific flaw with the hand posture and um, means you're very very vulnerable to certain types of strikes. Yeah. So we we uh, not to give too much away, yeah. um, but we we analyzed that flaw and it worked like a charm. And awesome. it was exactly the techniques we drilled them. Exactly like he did. So it was like drilling. The um, we, had, we had a great time. Uh, yeah. G actually um, was, was very, very, very not hurt at all. In the last three fights, he's taken uh, no damage whatsoever. Wow. So, um, so we're very happy, and and we're hope to continue the uh, the, the upward momentum. The legend just... of G growing and growing as we <laughs> yeah, build no, right? legends today. <laughs> exactly right. Three wins in a row. Um, yeah, What's yeah. next for him? Uh, he's going to fight again in November, probably also de- depending on the injury and scheduling in in uh, in Key West in Florida. Possibly, um, oh, cool. we'll see. But um, but it's more like uh, you know, it's up to him and his ride and his journey. And and I have a lot of other fighters coming up as well. Um, and I just want to be. I'm very honored to be part of their martial journey and their growth. Mm-hmm. And and again, we we constantly. Uh, analyze the performance, win or lose, and to see what we can work on, what we can improve on, and um, and grow as, as martial arts. Because there's going to be a day where he and like myself, we're 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 retired from fighting, but you don't st- stop to be a martial artist. You don't stop your growth, and you don't stop the um, the objective analysis of not only your game, but your your evolution and and how you how you see martial arts. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's a great quote that every ten years. You should change the way you you think about your training and minimum and and I, I really agree with that. Not only about age, but you should be maturing. And uh, there are things that I believed 
that were true in like I said, I would do it like this way ten years ago. I'm like, I would never do that. And I would do mm-hmm. this now. And uh, you just mature, you age, you you get better. And um, you know, the martial arts journey is this, this great journey of, of of self and discovery. And most importantly, honest, face the mirror, look in front of you, and face the truth. And be your fan. Be a fan of yourself, not you know worship someone else and live vicariously through someone else and to me that's that's really important part of the path is like you are in your journey of being awesome and uh to do that though you have to be honest with yourself you know not delusional and uh that's one of the reasons why you know like uh, there's certain irish fighters who I, I can't stand and and i think you know his ego's blown him into delusion land and you know which means he's gonna the next time he fights mma pretty sure he'll probably lose you know mm. if he does fight you know um He's not in jail. He's though. not in jail, right? Yeah, I'm gonna lose that bet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, someone that actually was in here a couple weeks ago is Conor McGregor's lawyer. In in here, yeah. Oh, did you talk to him about the case? Not really. No. Oh, you guys can't I talk about. I don't it. know. He won't want to get into it. But uh, I'm interested to hear what he's got to say. Maybe after the after the trial has ended, maybe we can get him in here and yeah, pick yeah. his brain. So he he's his defense attorney. Yeah, he was. Uh, he actually had. He said. Uh, um, he, Conor McGregor was in his office. They were working out the plea for the the, the felony arrest in, in Brooklyn. And uh, he said his hands are ginormous. Yeah. That's why, yeah, yeah. I never, like, I never realized how big his hands were until I actually shook his hands and saw them in person. You know, most people with what you call natural punching power generally have large hands. Yeah. It's a, a bone structure. It's not always the case, but generally you have large hands. You'll have, be gifted with more punching power. Um, uh, the, uh, and uh, one student and his hands were incredibly large for his size and, um, for compared to his size, his punching power was insane. Hmm. Um, and then his hands were, yeah, just really large, uh, you know, like Fred Flintstone size. Uh, um, <laughs> Mr. Renee over here, a celebrity on Buzzfeed. Are you going to break down the new, uh, Creed movie coming out? There's a new Creed movie coming out? I didn't see a trailer for Creed? No. Creed 2. I haven't seen the first one. I heard it was really good though. I haven't seen the first one. Either. Yeah, no, but everybody but says tra- it's really good. The, tra- the, yeah. the second one, he's fighting um, Drago's son. No I'm kidding. So he's That's getting funny. revenge for his father's death. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Oh boy, this, just, this is a new. Just the remaking. New. Is Rocky in it too? Again, this one. Yeah, he was in the first one, right? They, I hear that the the word on the street is that Rocky may die in this one to give him more of a like a push. Like his, he now he Rocky's his mentor, and now he's he's going to die, and it's going to be his reason to push to. Win against Drago Jr. Cool. Um, I don't know. Yeah, you know. But you like to break down fights. Yeah, you know. Um, I, I, uh, I was. It was the BuzzFeed thing that became very popular, which was was cool. Um, I actually the 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 the, the short where I'm coming is was actually very heavily edited, so I actually made a lot more comments on on the fights that, and I would like to do it again. Uh, yeah. uh, they wanted me to do some other. We did some other fights that didn't show up, and also there were some people who said we should do other other the movie like the raid. I don't know if you ever heard the raid. It's like this big martial art movie. I've never seen it, but it's like um, one fight that just doesn't stop yeah. for like 45 minutes. What or about something. Kung Fu Hustle? Oh, I hate that. Oh no! You hate that. I hate well, it's that movie. a goofy movie. No, but um, I, I just, I just, yeah. I it, saw a lot of comments people were making that they they should have picked better scenes in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Right. One of the maybe they should. Rate, yeah. Did they consult you about which scenes to pick? No, no. They not just at came all. in with. They came in. Yeah, with already. Yeah, yeah, they should consult you with which scenes because I'm sure you could pick out better ones. You know, um, but I'm happy to do whatever yeah, the fans. You know, sure. I, I said this. I said this. Why don't we get uh, another one where we we vote on the scenes that people want to see, and then I'll, I'll yeah, do, the comments. You know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, but uh, I don't watch enough more sharp movies and fight movies to, to – you know, like there were a lot of them. I've never seen The Raid, but everybody wanted to do that one. Yeah. But uh, th- th- it comes down to, again, we we make the movies what we – the movies are what we want them to fight to look like. They've changed a lot over the last yeah, couple yeah, decades. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they, they originally they're what we want the fight to look like. Now, what we wanted to look like in the 90s was beautiful and kung fu-y. Now, since Crushing MMA, Tiger yeah, Tiger. right, exactly. <laughs> now, since MMA is, MMA is the arbiter of, like, manliness. So Tiger. MMA has taken over. So the more more modern fights are have much more MMA, like John, uh, John Wick and all these things, because the fans are demanding it look like that, mm-hmm. because that's what they want to see. That, that cinema reality is not obviously not reality, but unfortunately it has very strong influential power, which we talked about in, in one podcast, you know, mm-hmm. but, but um, you know, that you, you have to see movies as, as, as uh, a medium to, to make people happy. 
to give them what they want, to sell them popcorn, you know? <laughs> so not as uh, intrinsically demonstrating what really works in a fight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, don't, don't copy uh, Captain America yeah. in, in, in any way. <laughs> but we got – did you sign a non-complete? Because we got a camera. We got microphones. Let's do a video right here. I did not sign anything. All right. Let's we, go. We could do it. Start our own BuzzFeed. It's going to call right, it FuzzFeed. <laughs> Fuzz buzz. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm getting to the point where I'm punchy. Uh, right, so we're so we're on, on on for two two bets. We're on for um, oh, we're on for Stipe and and uh, and Cormier, and we're on for Ortega and uh, and um, and uh, Holloway. Holloway. Sure. And I, I took the dive under. I took the, the dark horse on both these. You did. Yeah. You're trying to throw me a bone. I'm gonna be very. Um, I'm not coming back from Ohio if they lose. <laughs> I'm just gonna live there now. Somebody else around the studio. I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah, we're on. Okay, great. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Please uh, rate, share, subscribe. and uh, Yes, rate, please. Yeah, please rate. rate. We need more ratings. Yeah. Um, that's it. That's it. See great you next job. week. See you next week. Bye-bye.